0: I'm embarking on this journey of conversational activism is what I call it. Now, conversational activism, what that is, it's a cause that I'm fighting. It's a cause that I'm trying to take on. There's a wrong in the world that I'm trying to fix. And of course, that wrong is division. What happened in their life for them to think the way that they do? When was it that they made that decision? Okay, this is who I'm going to be and this is what I'm going to stand for. I try to find that. And what happens when I find that, I find a reflection of myself because I, like them, like you, like all of us, we've had to make that decision at some point. We've had to make the decision as to what stance do we want to have? What do we want to stand for? Or what don't we want to stand for? Same idea. So I try to find that. And when I do, I find myself. And at that moment, that's where we can find the commonality.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome to... AUA podcast number 21 and this podcast is super exciting because I interviewed an amazing well everybody every single person I've interviewed so far has been absolutely amazing and I do not expect that to stop or change in any way but this person that you're going to hear today is Jonathan Rivera who believes in and practices conversational activism. And I'm not even going to bother telling you guys what that is because Jonathan will do just that. But I have to say that it really blew my mind. Jonathan blows my mind and everything he stands for and everything he talks about just completely shattered my previous ways of thinking And I know that it's going to shatter yours as well. And by shatter, I mean light up and shoot into the stars. So I can't wait for you to hear what he has to say, because what he has to say truly can change the world. Okay, so my update today is that... I was making a little Instagram post with a selfie that I took and you know the other morning I was having a fantastic hair day and as people with curly hair might understand when you're having a fantastic curly hair hair day it's like just another cause for celebration. And so I put on some makeup and I took a bunch of photos right before bed because, you know, I put it off. I was like, I'm going to take photos. And of course, I put it off all day long. And the next day I posted them. And I was overcome with working on overcoming negativity and critical talk and complaining and all that stuff. And of course, I thought, oh, I don't complain that much. I'm a really positive, rosy person with a super optimistic with a good outlook on life. And yeah, I do have that. But that doesn't mean that I don't complain. So I was doing a little bit of research because whenever I think about pretty much anything in the world, I always wonder what the philosophy is behind it. I mean, what the, not philosophy, but what the psychological reasoning or psychological attributes are behind it. And as with pretty much everything else, I knew that there had to be somebody that had written some article or another explaining why do we complain? Because obviously it's there for a reason. Complaining is part of human nature. And so there's got to be a psychological reason why we do it. And sure enough, there is. So I posted a link to the article and I read the article and it was fascinating and it referenced a book. So of course, I bought the book. I got the Audible and I've been listening to it. And wow, it is just completely blowing my mind. You know, it's the philosophy of changing how you think and how you do it. And of course, the first step is becoming aware of what you're thinking and what you think. And when you are aware of it or aware of complaining, you move a band on my wrist. I put on a ponytail band and I move it from one wrist to the other wrist every time I complain. So I started today and I don't know how many times I've moved it, but it has been quite a few quite a few more than I anticipated. The goal is not to complain for 21 days straight. And the author, who was an avid complainer himself, did state that it took him four to six months, or it takes most people four to six months to get 21 days in a row. And I can't remember exactly how long it took him, but some somewhere around that time period. And so I'm not getting discouraged. I am confident that over time I will be able to stop complaining or not complain as much that's the goal and then he mentioned the oh I have to find the theory's name but the theory that whenever we start something new it's simple or we think it's going to be simple but it's a lot harder than we anticipated and that is the story of my life so I always say that if I had any idea how hard anything that I've, I've attempted to do or even accomplished in my life was going to be before I started it, I would have never done it. And there's actually a name for it. So that cracked me up. I was like, oh, that's a real thing. So yes, yes, yes. I am grateful for that because if I knew how hard things were, I would never have attempted them. And this goes for everything, everything everything, every big major accomplishment that I have achieved. And that is going to acupuncture school, getting through acupuncture school, writing my first novel, well, starting my first novel, and then 15 years later, completing my first novel, and then writing my second novel, and my third novel, and my fourth novel, and so on and so forth. And yes, that Yes, story of my life. and even now, with moving into a van, if I had any idea how hard it was going to be just to get the van ready to the point of be of moving into it, if I had any idea how hard it was to find a van, you know all this stuff that I have done in my life, and I have just closed my eyes and jumped, I mean, I'm a planner, so i've I've planned it. I haven't just closed my eyes and jumped, but The initial stage and the stage of commitment that I've taken, I have definitely closed my eyes and jumped into the commitment. That's my update. Thanks for being here. Can you introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit about where you are in the world right now and just a little bit about yourself?
0: My name is Jonathan and um i actually i'm in arizona right now in phoenix we've been here since 2014 with my wife we moved here she's actually a school teacher and i myself i've been working with with the airlines with american airlines ever since i started off with them in 2014 that's why i moved and i started with using kind of my language skills that i had and my goal eventually was to move on to engineer and since then i've actually had the pleasure of traveling The world, and seeing some really great places and great people. One of the things that I started noticing was that a lot of the places that I'd traveled to, I'd spend maybe two, three days at a time. It was really quick trips, like in and out kind of a thing. So I I related to the flight attendant kind of a schedule, like flight attendants, like they go to a city for a couple days and leave. So what I started doing was, I wanted to meet one new person learn one new thing every place that i went to i started using that as my method because like i said i kept traveling to these different cities and, and it was like quick trips and i couldn't sometimes i couldn't see all the sites and do everything i wanted to so when i changed my focus what i realized is that i started actually my, my travels had intention more intention than just oh i'm just gonna go and see the eiffel tower or or I'm just going to go see the Statue of Liberty real quickly. And okay, check mark, I'm done. Yeah. So I started doing that. And that, of course, led me up to 2020. And up until March of last year was when traveling came to a halt. And then when that happened, my traveling stopped, but my curiosity grew. <laughs> my, the curiosity I had before, come 2020, it doubled, almost tripled, because it was a very divided time. Very interesting and really polarizing time. So I wasn't able to travel, but I was still able to have these conversations within a five, 10, sometimes 20 minute drive of where I was. I started noticing that I was having conversations and meeting some of the most polarizing people that I had met even abroad. I was meeting within a couple minutes drive. So when I started noticing and I focused my conversations on the people around me and wow, (laughs) they were very interesting and full of plenty to learn from. So what I do is I am embarking on this journey of conversational activism is what I call it. Now, conversational activism, what that is, it's a cause that I'm fighting it's a cause that I'm trying to take on. There's a wrong in the world that I'm trying to fix. And of course, that wrong is division, right? Now, the easy answer or the, yeah, the easy thing to say would be, oh, just he's different than me. She's different than me. I disagree with them or they, they don't see things how I see them. And that's fine. Let's just agree to disagree. And I know we've all heard that, but I think that's wrong. I think that's the wrong approach. I started seeing conversation as an activism because the only way that we can come together and the only way that we can fight this division that we have is by sitting down and actually having a conversation with those that we disagree with those that are different than us and talking, sitting down and talking to these people, not with the intent of arguing or debating or even trying to switch, or let let me try to convince him. Otherwise, not at all. The point of a conversation is to learn from them, learn and listen with the intent to find something in common with them. And then, and I started having these conversations with people within my reach, people within my, my city. Like I mentioned, I'm, you know, currently I'm in Phoenix, but I drove about five hours to go ahead and speak to somebody who was completely different and fascinating. Like, really, this is what I've dedicated my life to. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a politician. I don't work for any newspaper. None of this is my profession. I'm in aviation. I'm, I'm an engineer. But that's just the thing. That's what qualifies me to do this. It's that I don't have an agenda. It's that I am essentially, I'm no one. That's what qualifies me to have these conversations because if we really want to see change in unity, it's not going to come from our leaders. It's not going to come from the people on top. It's going to come from you and me.
1: Mm. I listened to Brene Brown's new podcast, or I don't know how new it is, but it just went on Spotify like exclusively and she was talking about dehumanization and when we are able to dehumanize a group of people or anybody then it's easier to either perpetrate wrong or violence or anything against people that we don't see as as ourselves or as our loved ones active listening is like a really Big thing. So then people feel that they're being heard, and maybe they're feeling empathy from you, and then they're feeling seen and not dehumanized. And then it goes the other way around, too, so that they now see you as a person that we don't have to all have the same beliefs or agree on the same things to be good people.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think I listened to that podcast as well. I'm I'm trying to think I listen to so many. (laughs) But I totally agree. Because the the thing is that when there's division, I, I compare it to think of a classroom where you walk into the classroom, and it's divided, right? On one side, we have one group. And on the other side, we have another, right? When you join, or when you walk into the classroom, it's the environment is gravitating you to join one side. And that's the easy thing to do, right? If I go to the left, I'll be in that group and I can, I'll have a support system because I have the people that are in, on that side. They'll have my back. And then I can attack and I can say whatever I want about the other side because I don't need to worry about them because I have my support system over here. That's the easy thing. And that's, I think that's the problem because nowadays it's so easy to say that. And I don't, I've never been one to necessarily like blame, oh, it's the media's fault for this or that. And I'm like, a lot of the problems in the world are direct reflection of us. It's not really one person to to blame, but really it's us for jumping on that bandwagon because the hard thing to do would be to actually sit there and listen to both sides and try to comprehend, try to understand them. And it's liberating, it's liberating. And it's really, I think, true freedom, (laughs) to be able to decide for yourself and be able to really be who you want to be and not one side. (laughs) That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Not polarized.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely.
1: And what was, what did you say the question was that you ask people to get to the root of it?
0: So in my conversations, the thing I try to look for, of course, is is the commonality, right? I try to find something that we can both share a passion in right and something that we can find in common but when i'm finding that what i've noticed and what i try to do is i listen during most of the conversation i'm not really doing it any talking at all i'm just listening they're controlling the narrative they're the ones that are directing the conversation and that's fine that's fine usually it begins a little intense in the sense that they you know really want to throw their ideas on me their opinions and and you know maybe they want to get a reaction out of me and as hard as it is I don't react because I'm there to listen it, it, it's it, it's hard <laughs> it is hard but I need to stay true to that because that, that would compromise my mission for me you know if I, if I try to sit there and debate them because that, that's not what I'm there to do I'm there to listen and I'm not there to compromise my own beliefs either because they feel the way they do for a reason, and that's valid. And, and that's what I try to find. I try to find in the conversation, I listen to their journey. I listen to their life. What was it that led them to this point, to this climatic fall, or if you will, or what happened in their life for them to think the way that they do? When was it that they made that decision? Okay, this is who I'm going to be, and this is what I'm going to stand for. I try to find that. And what happens when I find that, I find a reflection of myself because I, like them, like you, like all of us, we've had to make that decision at some point. We've had to make the decision as to what stance do we want to have? What what do we want to stand for? Or what don't we want to stand for? Same idea. So I try to find that. And when I do, I find myself. And at that moment, that's where we can find the commonality because it's a little bit more than just, Oh, you like pizza. Okay. So do I cool. It's more than that. When I find that I create what I call the leaving the room effect (laughs) in that moment, I create that effect where I no longer see them as someone different and they no longer see me the same way, but we see each other as the same. When we're done with the conversation, no matter how long it takes, and essentially when I leave the room, I leave that effect with them. And that's the effect that we may be different. They didn't change their mind about anything and neither did I, but they can look back and they can say, you know what, Jonathan, he's different, but, but I like him. He's a good guy. He listened to me. And that's that moment. That's where I create change and, and impact. And essentially I can change the world with every conversation I have. If I focus on that commonality, And let that be the narrative, nothing else.
1: So, but one person at a time, is there a faster way to do it?
0: Yeah. 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 That's that's why I mentioned in the beginning, I'm dedicating my life to this because it's going to take a lifetime (laughs) of conversations to be able to do this, but I'd rather create lasting impact and plant a seed than something that's instant because the instant results, that's argument. That's debate. That's an attack. You know, I can post something. I could comment on whatever. But that's the easy thing. The hard thing is to be able to have these conversations. To give you an example of some of the people I've spoken to, I spoke to somebody who was running for first Senate, who was, for example, a big Donald Trump supporter, who was from South Korea originally. I spoke to him. I also spoke to the leader and uh, the creator of the Republicans for Biden. I spoke to him. And yet I spoke to two people on completely different sides with completely different views on the world. But I was able to have the same conversation with him, the same conversation and learn essentially the same things. What I learned from each one, they weren't really different, that much different from each other. And I've been able to speak to anybody who is making a difference, anybody who is spreading a message. Sometimes these are the people that, that I want to focus on because a lot of times they may be misunderstood. A lot of times they may get even lost within their message and people may not understand them. And like I said, when the world's divided, it's almost like I have to put everybody on one side. It's like, oh, wait, is he on this side or this side? And that's what I'm trying not to do.
1: And what are you doing to get this out? Like, obviously, this podcast, like you said, you're not a journalist, but it just came to me like the Humans of New York, where the guy walked around and took photos, but then got a story. Each person told him their story, and then he published it or wrote about it so that it's getting out there in the world so that people can see, oh, this person who's completely right wing is same as this person who's on the left.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, compiling these conversations that I've had. A lot of people (laughs) that I've spoken with are a little controversial, so it's kind of hard to get their message out, the audio, the video that I've been able to record because a lot of them don't want their name (laughs) to be dropped and I have to respect that. But what I'm doing is I'm compiling these conversations so that I can not just publish them in a book, but what I want to do is I want to be able to Also publish them so people can see, because I'm trying to inspire people how, for example, I may have spoken to somebody that belonged to the Church of Scientology and had a really uncomfortable conversation in the sense that I went to them not really knowing what to expect. That may be the tough conversation that I have. But what I want to inspire people is that the tough conversation that they might have might be with a coworker might be with an estranged family member, that may be equivalent to the tough conversation that I had. And that's what I'm trying to inspire people to do. How to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. I've been able to give some talks with some groups, schools, colleges, and if all goes well, in the next week, I'll have an article with the New York Weekly about this. Like, this is something that I really think that people need to hear.
1: Yeah, and you're passionate about it, which is like the most important thing. If you were doing this for an ulterior motive or to make money or whatever, not that there's anything wrong with that, it comes from a different place, I think. When people are looking at things from that lens, as opposed to like your curiosity lens, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's something that I'm passionate about, and the thing is, I go back to me not being—I'm not a journalist nor am I a politician. I. I know that some of the people that I speak with may have some political ties, but this isn't just political. This is people from all walks of life. And what I'm trying to do is I'm really trying to talk to somebody that may be part of a demographic or a group that may be misunderstood in in our world today. And again, I approach them with a very sincere approach, an earnest approach, like I'm not doing this to debate or I'm no one essentially. And in the questions I ask them, I don't necessarily ask them about their beliefs. I don't ask them about their opinions. I don't ask them about, oh, I read that you said this about this person. No, I'm asking them questions about them themselves. And sometimes it's interesting because they usually are drawn back by some of the questions I ask them. Because I ask them about their childhood, what they were like, what brings them joy. I ask them when you were a kid, what were your aspirations? it's interesting but it's a journey as well because i'm still talking to people i'm still you know setting up those conversations and it's really neat because i've been able to grow as a person mind you i have an opinion on things as well but what i've noticed is the more and more i talk to people my my opinion seems to matter less not in the sense that what i believe in shouldn't be taken serious or what have you no it's not that necessarily but learning to see people for who they are, and really trying to find that connection with them, and it, it's been great. It's been really therapeutic, actually.
1: Yeah, I bet. So seeing people for who they are, rather than for what they believe in.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been quite an adventure, and it's there'll be more, <laughs> of course. But
1: oh, it sounds amazing. Why? Why do you think that we're so polarized? Do you have an like an idea of?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. See, I think that this isn't new. I don't think that this is something that just happened January 1st of 2020. I I think that it's been going on. What I think is that because we have social media, because now we can just from our phones and, and we don't really have to do much to get the word out. But likewise, how we get our sources, how we, when we want to look up the news, like it's all become, the world's become bigger in a smaller way, which means that most of us have to rely on what we hear rather than what we see face-to-face. That's good in the sense that we have more access to information quicker. That's good, but that's bad as, as well because like i said we're not relying on those face to face interactions as much and obviously covid didn't help because the whole point of covid is the social distancing but i think that especially in 2020 i think that covid was covid wasn't a result but rather the true reflection of what we had become and i think it was just you come into a room and you turn the lights on and then like the bugs spread out does that make sense i think that's what happened I think that's what happened. And in a way, we had no choice but to rely on our devices, on the real media, which is social media. So, and and the the thing is that really division has always, I I think it's always existed, but it's become something that's so much a part of our lives that it's becoming harder and harder to avoid it and not to indulge in it. Because guess what? For how many of us for work, we had to work virtually. We have to use Zoom. Like I said, 2020 was not a result, but rather like the cherry on top, I guess.
1: Or the light. It sounded like, you know, or COVID is the light that was shining and um, in the, in the bugs couldn't scatter anywhere or something. I don't
0: know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But there's hope. There is hope.
1: There's always hope.
0: There's always hope. Yeah, there's always hope. And and, and it, it's optimism. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because if all hope was lost, then I guess there wouldn't be a point because it's okay, fine, whatever. Let it right. Let the chips fall. But but it's I think it's more and more going to take us. And what I mean by us, us here, not the people on top, not our leaders, but it's going to be up to us to really make the difference. And I think we really have to treat conversation as activism and not as something that's like a a lost art or something that's just replaced with our phones. We have to treat it as something serious. We have to treat it as an activism because I think that division is the second pandemic that we're going through. (laughs) It's that big.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I was just right before this interview, I was talking to a friend on Facebook that I hadn't talked to in a long time. And I, you know, asked her how she was. And she said, we were in a writer's group together. And she said, I had to stop being in the group because people were mad at me and yelling at me because they were, they were saying I was a Trump supporter and that I was gaslighting them. And she said, it's not that I am or was a Trump supporter necessarily, but I'm just a conservative person and I have my opinions and beliefs and I'm not telling them what to do and think, but they were telling me what to do and think. And they like kicked her out of the community because she didn't agree with their Thinking And she's such a nice person. She's so sweet. And I just felt really sad for her because that's not right. And I definitely I've been a part of that before. I've definitely not been as tolerant as I have wanted to be or as I hoped I would be at times. But I think I'm more tolerant than some others. Not that it helps to compare. It's again that humanizing. It's we know this person. We all know this person. We've known her for years. And so what? She has a different opinion. Like, Everybody knows that she is conservative. I don't know. It was interesting to talk to her. And I have friends that are like, oh, anybody who voted for him, I cut them out. They're not my friends anymore. And I chose not to do that unless they were mean people. If they're nice people and they have a belief, I believe that most people think that they're right because they want the same thing. The left wants the same thing. The right, maybe they want it in a different way, but they still want the same thing. Everybody wants happiness and Health and most people don't wish bad on other people that they don't know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we, we we've all heard growing up. We've all heard the oh if what if. I remember when I started, you know, my, dating and going on dates and trying to t- you know talk to girls. My mom would always tell me, "It's like, do you really want somebody that's exactly like you, that eats like you, that says the things you do? Do you really want that person?" <laughs> but it makes sense. Because that's so true. I I remember. Yeah, exactly. Right before I started having these conversations, it was funny because one of my best friends, my really good friend that I've known for years, when I started having these conversations, he approached me one day and he said, hey, we've never talked about this. This is how I feel about things going on in the world, the election and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, great. And he was expecting me to react or, or something. He was expecting me because we were on opposite ends. I said if I was your friend before why would that be any different you could have not told me and we would have been the same or or, or guess what I became friends with you not because of who we voted for we became friends for another reason and if it didn't matter how he voted when we became friends it shouldn't matter now that I know either but it doesn't we can both learn from each other and if we want to discuss it we can I think that's how we learn by discussing and by we all have different ways of looking at certain things it's, it's interesting to hear but again it's the more i get out of my comfort zone the more i start to see people for who they really are and it's the same and it's going to take a you know a whole bunch of conversations to be able to to learn from people but i learn new things about every conversation that i have and it's and it's been great it's been great it's really changed the way i i look at things
1: yeah i bet that's awesome so, what challenges do you have when it comes to to this uh, conversational activism?
0: The first and probably the most obvious challenge is actually getting people to to listen, <laughs> getting people to actually talk. Like I mentioned, I have a very organic approach. I tell them that I'm just a normal person. I have no objective here. I have you know not no no agenda, and I just want to sit there and sit and talk. I like to offer people dinner okay, let's just let me go to dinner. Let me treat you to dinner and let's sit down and talk. I do I do like to, to go to them because I want them to be comfortable. I want to go to their environment because I'm the one that needs to be uncomfortable. I, I want to see them and be able to listen to them on their habitat because I want to see, I want to try to walk in their shoes as much as I can. But that's definitely a challenge. And believe it or not, here's the other thing I've noticed with, even with COVID, obviously respecting, because I know that, I mean, we're speaking of differences, right? Not, I know that we all see COVID differently as well. Some people are more maybe adaptable to the masks. or we may not all see the mask mandate the same or what have you. I, I try to be respectful, but even with COVID, I've still been able to, in a safe way, still talk to people and, and meet them. Some people I've, you know, spoken to through Zoom or through through the phone. But, but that's a challenge. But it's I've been, we've been able to overcome it. Let's just say if tomorrow the virus goes away, and no masks tomorrow. Let's just we wake up tomorrow and boom, all that is gone. The division's not going anywhere. <laughs> so that's gonna that's gonna stay. And going back to the setting up the interviews, of course, as challenging as it is because it is, I've still been, I've been very pleasantly surprised with the approach with the people that have said yes, they've been open to the idea. And as maybe controversial as they may be, or what have you, a lot of people have said yes, a lot of people have said they have no problem talking to me. And I respect them for the time that they've given me. And I respect them to always stick to my to my listening and never bringing anything up or debating. And I, and I think that's been something that I've been able to use to my advantage.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's, yeah, it's admirable what you're doing. It's-
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. What other word is there for that? Wow. And what about your failures? Have you had failures along the way?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely been people that maybe don't understand what I'm doing or maybe think that it's, that it's bad. Like don't talk to this person. Don't. Why? Why would you do that? What are you doing? What are you doing? What, why are you talking to them? It's dangerous. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that they're not going to believe you. They're going to attack you. They're going to make fun of you. I've heard all these things. But at the same time, it's something that you know I need to overcome. I've been able to talk to everybody that I wanted to, but that's a failure that I, I knew. I knew it was going to be hard. I knew that not everybody was going to say yes, and some people have been rude as well. And I don't let it get me. I respect them. And I just brush it off. I just brush it off. But it is easier when <laughs> it's through email or telephone that they say what they do. But it's it, it doesn't happen as much. It doesn't happen as much. But I wasn't always like this as well. I remember thinking, oh, this person's this person's that. And I think because I thought that way, I was failing to grow and I was failing to really be happy for the people that I had, be happy for who I was and be able to progress. And I think that I was ignorant of my failure, but I'm just embracing it now. And I don't want to give the, the connotation that I was bigot or anything. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. I, just anybody, I'd be like, oh, nah, I'm not going to talk to them. They, they do that. Okay, they're a cat lover. I'm a dog lover. Eh, I'll stay on this side. And I think that being able to travel has helped with that as well. Because when I travel somewhere, I was the guest. I was the one that was the uncomfortable one because I was in somebody's home. I was in somebody's habitat. And when I started noticing that I was learning more from the things that I wasn't used to, I was learning more about somebody who was completely different than me. That's when I started seeing not just the change and then more the adventure aspect of life. Wow, there's more than... Than, than I knew there was, right? Not just that, but I, I also started noticing that people abroad, like we may eat different food, we may speak different languages, but we generally want the same thing. Prosperity, happiness, love, to be heard. That seemed to be the same thing that they wanted. The same thing they wanted, I wanted as well. So it was good. It was good. And it's. I, I think that more failures will, will come. I'll learn from them as well.
1: Yeah, I feel like you can't have success without failure. We just don't hear about it. So I had a, a good friend that was just talking about that the other day. She was like, I just want to hear more about people's failures and how they got to where they got to because of their failures. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna incorporate that. So you're the first person I've incorporated that with.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm gonna fail a lot more.
1: Yeah, I think and also I think that we're scared of failure because it brings up shame. And it brings up like a feeling, uh, like a self worth issue. Like, I'm not good enough to accomplish that or achieve that. So we have to fight against that or accept it.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. We don't like, we we often see people's successes, but we don't understand how much they had to fail to get there. So to me, it seems more just a probability thing. The more I try and the more I fail and the more I keep on trying and the more I keep on failing then that's how I get to success. It's just math, <laughs> probability.
1: Yeah. Going back just uh, to touch on your traveling, what what was your favorite place like that you've actually traveled to?
0: Hmm. Let me see. I mean, there've been so many places. I think that I remember growing up as a kid, I always had a love for Japan, the food, the culture, the language. I actually studied it. So I always had a love and- I always had an attraction for Japan so definitely Japan's been one of my favorite places but I've been very surprised by some places that maybe I didn't think too much of they weren't really marketed as much and I've been so pleasantly surprised from them and there've been places that I just I'm like in love with now and I'll sit now and go through pictures and videos that I have and I'm just like oh wow I can't wait to go back Morocco, for example, Tunisia, some places that weren't on like maybe the top of my list. And it's not because I didn't like them or anything. It's just, I didn't really know much about them. And even, even some places now I've been able to go to a lot of the national parks here in the U S if all goes well in a couple of weeks, I'll be able to go down to, to Yellowstone. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah. It, it's just, even with travel, like it's so often that you're very surprised because you you have that desire and that expectation. But what's interesting is all the places that you find in between, all the places that you run into. And this last year, my wife and I have really focused on on hitting some of those national parks that we've talked about forever, but just never went to. And we just jump in the car, her, me, and our dog, and there we go. We <laughs> just drive over there. We even have that backpack backpack. You can put your dog in the back and we just go, I recommend it. I recommend it.
1: Yeah, I'm travel obsessed, which is part of the reason I started this podcast. But I found that if I have expectations of a specific place, then I seem to be disappointed. So I had these grand expectations for Barcelona. Like it was number one on my bucket list. All I wanted to do since I was 20 years old was go to Barcelona. And I went there in 2019. I was like, eh. And then I didn't want to go to Germany, but my cousin did and she was supposed to meet me. And then she ended up getting uh, her appendix burst and she couldn't go. But I, yeah, it was bad, but she's okay. So I went anyway and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with Berlin, which I was like, I don't even care about Berlin. I don't ever want to go. And because she had planned the trip, was the last two weeks of my trip, I was like, okay, I'm going anyway. And everything was paid for already. And I was shocked. So... I don't know if maybe I'm starting to think that maybe an expectation is what kind of gets me personally in trouble.
0: The mistake that I've made, and I try my hardest not to do, is, like you said, the expectation, but also falling into that mindset of, oh, this place is just like the other, right? Like, oh, if I've been to, if I've been to Detroit, then, oh, Cleveland is going to be just the same. Cleveland is the same thing, just a different name. And I I think that I've definitely done that in the past. And I don't do that as much anymore because I don't want to fall into that. It's kind of watching a comic book movie or Marvel movie. It's you've seen one, you've seen them all type of thing. Like, but what I do now though, is I focus solely on one thing, maybe places I go to or or rather I focus on the people and I say let me learn something new about about somebody in this in in the city but and I know that a lot of people like food the food aside their their travels which I, I think is a great idea it is good some cities are maybe more culinary driven than others but I think that when I focus more on the people rather than the city itself the sites or even the food that's when I'm more pleasantly surprised. That's when I go with that mindset of, let me think of the people because no, no one is the same in every city I go to. There's a difference and it may look this way and they may serve the same kind of food, the same kind of wine, but the people are different. So let me focus on that. And even you can use that same mindset here in the States as well, because most of my traveling in the last couple of months has been here. But when you use the same mindset, you're pleasantly surprised. I think that travel is definitely, it's a lifestyle and not a hobby per se, because the traveler never stops. The traveler always has somewhere else to go. And sometimes it may be the same place. Sometimes it may be, okay, let, let me go back to that place, but let me go back and let me do this. Let, let me go where I couldn't go. So that's why I've never been the kind of traveler. And again, I'm not trying to you know, talk bad on him. The one that you know, looks for the, oh, let me go on a cruise or let me go somewhere to just <laughs> the, the resort. I'll just stay in the resort and do that. To those that do, that's fine. But me, I've, I've never been that place. Obviously, when I pick an Airbnb or a hotel, safe, right? And and clean, but it's that's usually the last thing on my list that I look at when I pick a place. <laughs> it's everything else is before the hotel or the Airbnb.
1: You can find a hotel or Airbnb anywhere.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and, and some of them may even, I tend to, with my wife, we tend to pick hotels that are more about the proximity rather than what it has. If it has a great pool and restaurant, okay. <laughs> but I didn't go there to relax in a pool. And some people do. Yeah, some some people do. But I'm always the one that you know, I go somewhere and you know, I take my backpack and a map And I just go and I just go and I don't even ask directions sometimes. I just, if I get lost, but let me just, let me just go. And I don't speak the language. I love getting lost. (laughs) I love it.
1: It's fun. I agree. I love that. I love just walking around a city. I don't know. And seeing where I end up as long as it's daylight.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Some places have a little bit more to them than meets the eye, but yeah, no, definitely.
1: Yeah. Cool. So is there anything else that you want to say that I haven't asked you?
0: Just, you no, know, it's, it's been really great. And I love having this conversation with you. And I love what you're doing because I think that not just the great conversation that we had and what I was able to learn from you, but I think that travel is, like we mentioned, travel is a lifestyle. It's, it's not a hobby. It's not something I do, you know, once a year. No, It's it's a mindset. It's a way to live your life.
1: Yeah. I like that. That's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I love it. Please keep it up. Please keep it up. I love these podcasts. They're great.
1: (laughs) I'm moving into a van full-time in June, so I will be traveling full-time. So that's why I started this for the process. And then it just, I started interviewing people and now I love interviewing people because I I learn so much from everybody.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow.
1: So, yeah, I'm moving into a van and then traveling the United States like two to three years in the van with the dog and then maybe hopefully moving to Europe. That's the, the goal. And then just I just I've been wanting to be a full time traveler for my whole life and I've just never done it. So it feels like the right time.
0: That is awesome. And that is Definitely something that I I wish you the best that, but I know that you're going to be good. I know that I know some people may be like, oh, be careful, be this, be that. But you know what? That takes, that takes courage. But that's, I mean, if if there's anything in 2020 taught us, there's anything is there's no excuses to live your life, live it, do what you need to, because you know what, from one moment to another, guess what? There's no guarantee. My respect to you.
1: There's no guarantee. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm scared. I'm terrified, but I'm very excited. So if you could tell your younger self, like one piece of advice from your yourself now, what would it be?
0: Hmm. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Focus on the long-term focus on the vision. Don't focus on the results. Don't focus on the hard work. Don't focus on others. Don't focus on what you've done, what you haven't done, what you have, what you don't have. Focus on the vision. Because the more that you do, the more the universe and people gravitate towards you that are going to help you towards that vision.
1: I love that. That's great. That's very helpful. And where and where can people find you?
0: So we, they can find me on my website, which is uh, jkrivera.com. J for Jonathan and K for Kevin, right? Rivera, R-I-V-E-R-A.com. And they can also... Find me on Instagram, Jonathan.Rivera17. I'm putting up these conversations that I've had and also photography and some of the videos that I've been able to take. So definitely it's um I'm excited. Oh cool. But we'll we'll keep in touch because I'm really fascinated by what you're doing. And if you ever stop by Arizona or anywhere where I'm at, yeah, the, the summers are ooh, <laughs> they're crazy. But the winters, oh, they're fresh. Really fresh.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, dude. I'm spending like next Chris that ne- next not Christmas necessarily, probably Christmas, but next winter in Arizona because it's supposed to be warmer there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Perfect. Perfect. But yeah, it's. I, I just think we need a little positivity and someone to be able to tell us how to do something and not what.
1: <laughs> yeah, and just to connect people, connect us to each other because we are all the same. Every single person in this world, we are all the same. We come from the same place. We go back to the same place. Wherever that may be, or wherever whoever believes whatever, doesn't even matter. We're all the same. So it's so important. I, I love what you're doing. I think that's I think it's really important what you're doing. And it was funny because you you tried to have this conversation with me on Facebook and I was like, no, I'm not having this conversation. <laughs> and look, like, now we're having it. <laughs> I was all resistant. I was like, I don't want to have this conversation right now. Nah,
0: (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it.
1: Yeah, it's fine. It was my temper tantrum. I was just uh, right in the middle of all the craziness. And and I was, I got really affected. I got really affected by all that. I'm not proud. (laughs) I'm not not proud.
0: Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. It was hard on all of us. But again, there's hope. That's a good thing. There's hope but it's not, hope's not something that we rely on, but rather we create.
1: Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's good. I like that. All right. I don't want to take up any more of your time. So thank you. I really appreciate you being here.
0: Will do. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts is also highly appreciated. You can find me and more information about AUA on anunknownadventure.com. I do try to leave extensive show notes here under the podcast, but also on my website. The notes include links to everything that's been talked about today. However, my main goal is to give back to the community, to you. So if you have any questions, please DM me on Instagram at an unknown adventure. And whether you do or don't, following me there would light up my entire week. So remember to keep dreaming big because your adventure awaits and I can't wait to hear about it.